Hiya, I'm Alyssa from the Cointos Collective. Welcome to Cointos Conversations, our new podcast for chatting about the methods, magic and madness behind making theatre, with a range of emerging and established companies and creatives. Our first series of conversations aims to answer the question of how we make theatre in response to the climate emergency. Our show, Freak Out, will be at Vault Festival 2023 at Network Theatre Waterloo London on the 18th and 19th of March. And it follows a community facing the loss of their homes as a result of coastal erosion accelerated by climate change. Our process of going back to our show to rework and reinvestigate it in preparation for Vault inspired us to open up conversations, to share creative approaches, inspirations and aspirations when making work in relation to climate change. In this episode, I'll be talking to writer-director Phoebe Becker and actors George LeBon James and Tara Kitson from the play We Are Going to Die. Also performing at this year's Vault Festival from the 24th to the 27th of January 2023 at Network Theatre Waterloo, London. We Are Going to Die is about an end of the world party, but potentially the world doesn't end, and explores how society handles loss and fails those in need of support. While We're Going to Die doesn't explicitly focus on climate change, our shows both share the same theme of partying in the face of doom and loss. So naturally, we wanted to share our inspirations and processes behind creating both our shows. We also did assume that their show was about climate change, what with all the end of the world stuff, but it wasn't. However, I still wanted to talk about it because I think it was such an important conversation to have. Here's what happened during this conversation. If you guys can just say a bit about who you are and your role in We're Going to Die, starting with Phoebe. So uh, my name's Phoebe Backer. I am the writer and director of We Are Gonna Die. And yeah. Uh, hi, I'm uh, George LeBlon James. I'm one of the actors in We Are Gonna Die and I play Jason. Hello, um, my name is Tara Kitson, uh, she, her. And I'm one of the actors in We Are Gonna Die and I play Chrissy. Let's jump into creative process as the title of this subsection. <laughs> um, so I guess I'll start with Phoebe. So what was the starting point of, of this, of We're Going to Die? So it's, it's interesting because I think obviously every play has to come from some sort of inciting incident in your life. You know, either you're having a shower and something pops into your head. Um, for me, it was sort of, a recognition that um, that we as a society aren't really doing enough in certain aspects. So I found that um, when my I lost my friend in 2019 um, to an accidental death and I was sort of embraced into a world that I had never been in before. And in terms of that, I discovered a lot about how people don't know how to react is yeah. what I mostly discovered yeah. um, and then I reflected and I thought about my life and myself before that and how when people around me had lost people I didn't want to talk to them about it because I didn't want to make them sad and then mm -hmm. being put in that position and realizing oh I was wrong that's not what people need and sort of learning through that about what else we can do and what would be better so for me a lot of what the starting point was was me coming to terms and sort of learning that we're not doing enough <laughs> yeah, yeah which um, I think I've put that I've po poorly worded that but um 
it, I think my initial start with this play was I was angry about something. For me, I, I started writing monologues about like just different things to do with like grief and loss and putting down my thoughts about how I personally felt about it. And then I was like, uh, I, I started a, um, a group, a writing group during lockdown, because obviously yeah. there was nothing else to do. We were all <laughs> stuck inside. So I joined a writing group and I, I started writing and I found um, that people were actually enjoying <laughs> what I wrote. Um, and people people were finding it useful. People had um, been in similar situations to me and what they were saying was they recognised was true for themselves as well. And for me, that was sort of a starting point in that I was like, oh, nobody's talking about this. This is something that a lot of us are feeling and are in the same boat with, but nobody's actually talking about it. And then I started thinking about it and I was like, there's no way I can write a play just about death. That would be so sad. <laughs> no one's going to want to watch a play that is just about being sad. And I, um, I remembered that I went to go see a play years ago called Exit the King. And it was all about, it was a surrealist play and it was all about this king counting down until he died. And I was so, I was so gripped. I was so gripped. He kept being like, I'm not going to die. There's nothing happening. I'm not going to die. And everyone around him was like, you will die in one hour. And it was such a tense atmosphere. And I remember being on the edge of my seat for the whole thing. And I just thought that was such a clever plot device that I immediately was like I I want to do this what can I what can I do with this and so I sort of came up with the idea of these people having a party because I was like what what does our generation do <laughs> we, we anytime something goes wrong we uh we generally go back on the internet and we make memes about what's happening we we talk about it and we create like our own little community about it where we sort of mm revel in that sort of disaster and I, I liked the idea of um, juxtaposing it with this really sort of tragic idea that everyone's going to die but these people don't believe it so they're going to throw a party about it instead and I thought it would be a fun way to open up conversations without having the pressure of it just being about grief essentially. Yeah yeah well that is so because that is so like similar to the party for us um because we based it off of this party that was held in a seaside town in america where um they were having you know facing coastal erosion which is what our whole show is about and they didn't believe their house would falling in so they had a party um to mock the idea of a house falling in they all came in these like um like buoyancy aids um and whilst they were at the party someone's house fell in the ocean um so that is so similar I find that so interesting because that's totally what we do we just party when things go wrong but like if you think about it do you remember when everyone said that the world was going to end in 2011 and we you know I remember being in school and everyone being like oh it's gonna happen and just similar like Y2K everyone was so excited to see if the machines were gonna take over. <laughs> Like, it's just such a normalised thing that we've done. You said you started by just monologuing. How did that become this kind of, like, script? Um, uh, honestly, 100% go with what Phoebe Wallerbridge says, which is, you know, right from the heart, edit from your brain. <laughs> <laughs> I word vomit the whole way. I, I just wrote and I wrote and I wrote so much. And I, I wrote, I never, honestly, I didn't come up with a plot 
I just wrote in sections. So I didn't have a story. I didn't actually know where it was going. I wrote little pieces and I was like, okay, so I know I want this at the beginning. I know that this is what's going to happen in the middle. And then I sort of was like, how do I connect this? So I took, so I, I wrote some of the main arguments about what I felt. So my main arguments that um, I felt wasn't being listened to in grief and loss. Those were like my main structure points. And then I was like trying to connect it. And the connection is obviously all the parties. So like, what do you do at parties? You play Never Have I Ever. <laughs> you have some, you have a little boogie and um, you get you get drunk and you talk. So it's just sort of about linking and weaving those two and sort of playing up which aspects you want more in different sections. But very much just a let's see how it goes process for me. And it was really encouraged by the, the writing group I was in. So I had sort of deadlines <laughs> to hit where I would like, I have to write three pages every day. And that was my entire lockdown journey, essentially. With our process, we almost did it oppositely, which was, um, we knew the plot, but we had no idea how to make that plot a story. Was everyone here um, part of that R&D? Yeah, yeah, it was all, all of us. And then uh, I believe um, Adam was a different person at that point. Mm -hmm. And what was that? What was that um, process like? And I'll just uh, chuck that out to anyone who wants to answer. So, <laughs> um, It was. It was it was a bit like flying by the seat of your pants in like a in, in like um we we we've all just like recently graduated we all have these like techniques that we've picked up both from like a level gcse and then all the stuff we've learned from monkey um so it was phoebe leading a lot of the ship of like i think we should try it like this and i'll throw out these ideas and we'll see what sticks and then as that sort of carried on over time we learned what worked and what didn't work um most of it worked to be fair but like we like we we stripped back we didn't need to experiment as much we knew oh, we should probably try and get to this or try and search for this emotion in this bit by doing this exercise. So it's sort of like trimmed the fat a bit of like the the level of experimentation over time didn't need to be as like sparse because we knew where we, how we needed to experiment with it to get the results we wanted. Yeah, that's really interesting. It was great as well, sort of trying all these different things and seeing kind of what worked for us personally as actors and how like we individually and as an ensemble can get to the point that we wanted to be at. Um, it was a really nice opportunity to do that sort of outside of our training um, and beyond kind of that framework that we'd had for however many years that we'd been at drama school. Um, it was nice to do that for ourselves. Like that was that was ours. That was really nice. Uh, just on, on top of that, we also, this was uh, Phoebe's first time as directing, so there was a couple really fun choices she made. Of, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, one choice, which was we were, th there's a scene where suddenly the whole situation gets a lot more real. Mm. Um, and we weren't doing the urgency enough. So um, Phoebe puts on a timer on her phone for, I think, three minutes. It was like, if you don't get to the end of this this section in three minutes, I'm going to slap one of you, and you don't know who it is. I was never going to slap anyone. She was I never going to do it. You say there. that now. I was <laughs> never going to slap anyone at so, all. I will say, highly effective strategy. It really worked. But George, I thought you were going to talk about the sheep when Phoebe made us be sheep. 
make you be sheep. <laughs> I thought I wanted to get a sheep story. That's not even in the play anymore. That got cut. No. That was from like what an extended was version. The sheep. <laughs> um, I had so originally because this this play was a two hour play before I took it to the vaults. Um, I had some monologues that was sort of like different generations and different aspects to um people finding out that the world's going to end. And one of them was um a West Country farmer who just was trying to herd his sheep and did not care and did not want to talk to the news about it. And um. The man who was playing the character was was not quite getting, I think, the farm farmer aspect of it. So we had to. This was my first session as well. So we had to. I the others were looking bored, and I was like, right. So we're just gonna go physical with it, and I made everyone get on the floor and bar for a little while, so he could. Have <laughs> and I would say it yielded responses and results, so that's fine. Absolutely. Yeah, right. That is a lot of what Phoebe does is um, she'll get everyone involved in a uh, in it physically because a, a lot of what Monkey is taught us and how we do is if we feel it physically like from the inside we can then work it into the character so she'll get us all up and do something either in brilliant or stupid and um, <laughs> and then that will help us get to where we need to be in terms of like character and emotion. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. We were very similar in our process. I think that is something about being physical in a space that really allows you to just create more and be like, try things out more. Like once you've done something absolutely ridiculous, like be sheep, trying something a bit more serious feels a bit more real. Um, I remember because we, we had this like two day, I think I said six weeks earlier, but six weeks we made our show. We had a two day R&D where we were trying out different stimuli and one of them was the game of Tetris. And um we were doing this workshop and I and I said I just I can't remember who did it but it was um like be the game of Tetris like go and be the game of Tetris and do you know the Tetris music um yeah, it's a yeah. very hilarious video which we haven't posted on socials but I really want to um, <laughs> and the idea was there was the experiment done where people who had just seen very traumatic images play Tetris and it calmed them down. It was experimenting into like helping PTSD um, survivors. And what we did was we had <laughs> one of our actors sat on the floor kind of screaming <laughs> and the others in like these Tetris shapes kind of walking in uh, while singing this like Tetris song, kind of like this haunting thing and like, um, like linking in. So it all became, you know, when you get a block and then it disappears. <laughs> <laughs> and then they all just died and it was um it was it was to get it posted I think it's one of those things where it's like do we post this I mean it's just one of those things where um it's absolutely ridiculous but everything after that felt a bit more like oh but this one's actually really good <laughs> now that we've done the most ridiculous thing we can do with this like piece of work um yeah that's really interesting <laughs> And I think um, we started from um, two two sources, which was the podcast I just talked about, where they had this party and their house fell in, and um, a second source, which was uh, oh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get told off for not remembering it, um, the Red Death by Edgar Allan Poe, which is this kind of short like story kind of poem thing, um, where this like group of 
really higher class rich people uh, you know the rich of the rich you know um lock themselves into a castle um to have a party whilst like the rest of the world dies because they're dying of the red death and so they just lock themselves in they leave everyone else to spend with themselves and they have this massive party and each room is colored a certain color and we were really exploring with these room colors and aesthetics and we did one day where Lydia who was um a dancer and like our choreographer um she talked us through the movement of each room so like what was the blue room like what would the orange room movement wise be like and um it was really interesting to see how like your body just kind of correlates with colors without me thinking about it so like blue kind of became we started individually and then we started trying to meld each other's kind of movements together and blue kind of came this like flowy room whilst like orange was almost like um popping I don't know what to mean other than that <laughs> um really jerky movements and so yeah like physical movement of theatre was so important to our process yeah I mean we've done sort of loads of weird little exercises like we did um like Phoebe does this thing sometimes where if there's a story being told within the story she'll make whoever is telling that story kind of build it with the other people in the room um and that can become ridiculous sometimes um <laughs> but it helps to kind of like visualize it as, like if you are the one telling that story it's like you can actually see it in front of you and you've made it so you have to understand it to be able to make it so I think that was great I wrote this with my my worldview in mind and that's not everyone else's and I love that so there are things that characters say um in it that sound completely different to what I thought and sometimes it doesn't work like for example one of my um actors is Portuguese and um it means that when they speak they have a slight more American twang mm. whereas obviously how I've written it is British English because I'm British and um so we would change some of the language because I'd be like that doesn't sound right in your voice so you yeah. say it how you say it because that's the truth that's your truth and I'd much rather that but um, I'm also, I'm not a big fan of stage directions. Like I wrote a lot of things like very vaguely where I was like, this this kind of happens here, but I don't know what it is. And um, some of the choices that my actors have made are, are beautiful. Like we've got <laughs> way more <laughs> physicality than I was expecting. And they'd be like, oh no, that wasn't right. And I'm like, no, it's perfect. It's absolutely <laughs> perfect. That's what your impulse was. You absolutely do that. Um, so there's like definitely things that have been added in as a response to what, my actors have given me and I would so much rather it's such a rewarding process I think it's my favorite part of the process is to see how just these blank words change and become life and it's it's a be it's beautiful to watch honestly yeah and how did you guys um Tara and George how did you find that kind of like stepping into that role and like developing with it I think Sorry, George, you look like you were going to say No, I'm thinking, sorry. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, I think there was, like, for me personally, I was a little bit daunted because I knew Phoebe before we started this play. Um, but then when we got in the room, it became a lot easier because, you know, like these these words that she's written, um, they mean so much to her. So they kind of, like, you can't help but, like, they mean that to you too, um, if that makes any <laughs> And yeah says, yeah definitely um but yeah and it's like she's been great as well like if if we say something and we're like that's not kind of feeling right with kind of how I speak or like sort of my personal interpretation of the character we'll then have a conversation um about 
what can be changed or potentially cut or you know like moved around and like food is great at sort of negotiating that with us and it does become very collaborative which is great um so I I I was in the same writing group as Phoebe over COVID so I was sort of aware and like uh, knew about this project about halfway through it's written it, it, it being finished written and um uh, so I, I, as both writers, me and Phoebe, I sort of like, we had a couple of conversations and um, I think some of that got put into my character. Um, so <laughs> coming to it, there, there are a couple of lines I went, oh, that's, that is very me. So I, I, I was, I was less daunted because I went, this is, this is, this is within my realm. I, I can do this. But then um it's the bits that get further away from me. Like there's um, a section I, I teased um, Phoebe about for a while where I said my character suddenly just turns into a Charles Dickens character. Um, Cause he's, he's drunk, he's taken some shots and he's gotten a little bit inebriated now and now he just starts saying random stuff. Um, and I have not been able to get one of the lines specifically like quite right yet. And I'm, I'm still getting there. I'm still getting there. But like everything else, I'm like, yeah, like all the emotional bits, fine. It's when he starts acting like a weirdo that I'm like, oh, no. I, there's so many specific ways that this could go that I'm sort of like spoiled for choice on how to do this. <laughs> the way that we created as a group meant that our characters came from us and it was so hard to critique each other because you've been there every step of the way so what he was talking about was like developing now that you've got people like enacting your characters we like lost some of that kind of chance because we had all developed like Louisa and we'd all developed Kate and so it meant when people were on the stage we were like oh well yeah does this work we don't know because this is all from us um and so we got people in from like around the building to like sit and critique us. And we were like, look, we've just got really, really rough. <laughs> like, we don't know what's good because we have created it. And to us, this is perfect. <laughs> but then as we know, it's not. Um, yeah. And that's, so that's really interesting to hear how you've stepped into those kind of roles and, and developed from there. Um, because we, and, and with the changes as well, like we are still making change. We've performed our show. <laughs> we've done a show run last year and we are still making changes to this day. Um, and we will be making changes till March. Um, yeah. And so it's really, it's good to hear, I guess, again, that like, we're not the only show that's still developing as we go, because I do think that is the way of like, like, I want to say like modern theatre I don't know how Shakespeare worked but you know that kind of like just constant developing because you go back and you're like oh actually this could be so much stronger if I do it like this and that's kind of the good thing about getting to perform Freak Out for a second time is that we're going back and we're like we made this in a mad panic of six weeks where we spent all day every day together and it was absolutely mental and now we've got breathing time and we get to actually think about who everyone is and why they're there. And it just becomes so much stronger. Like already, my, my character has completely changed. I'm not playing the same Gabby I was last time. But your characters are going through this like major loss. And how did you guys find like developing that and relating to that? Because that's quite a difficult thing, I feel, to connect with. So um, one of the very first things um, Phoebe said when we first got in the room was... Um like there's there's a nice way to go about directing this um because um sometimes um with with certain directors they'll go like full force it's like the leonardo DiCaprio approach where you gotta sort of like feel everything and really get into it and like phoebe uh, straight away was like no there's a nice way to do it we can do it in a way that's like 
like again from the physical and then putting into the emotional rather than like trying to feel everything because there's also not consistent if you're going to do like as many shows a night as we're going to do it during a week um so she was like there's a nice way to go about it and we can do it through exercises and find what we need like technically within the voice and the stomach and like through our face and everything without you having to like drag up all the all the like awful feelings that can come across with losing someone that's very important to you uh but that being said we have all lost someone so there is a certain element of that that does come with it a little bit but i think very like it's, it's interesting because it's her first time but very deftly as a director phoebe's gone like we don't need to ever really go into that if that comes up that comes up but what i'm looking for is consistency within like technique and making sure we can reach the energy level we need rather than the emotional level we need to really like tear ourselves apart every night because then we'll have to try and put ourselves together again before the next show which is not viable when it's something as like heavy and like tactile as grief yeah I think just jumping off that as well like another thing that Phoebe talked to us about was um because obviously a big point of of this play is the end of the world and sort of that is you know like we know we know that that's going to happen when you get to a certain point in the play um and Phoebe talked to us about how you your body can physically only hold that amount of panic for a certain amount of time um and so th there was definitely a journey in kind of like embodying that but obviously not being at that level of panic because that's not it's not sustainable and it's kind of almost not even really possible as actors because that's not something I've ever experienced I've never experienced like the end of the world is definitely going to happen <laughs> like that's you know that's and like and it's so imminent as well um so yeah Phoebe was talking to us about it like sort of biologically that like physically you can only hold it for a certain amount of time and then when you get past that it's sort of you know then then your body does other stuff and sort of we we talked through that and how that would look and translate to an audience member um so that was really really interesting uh, so Phoebe, it sounds like you you came in like knowing how you were going to try and access this through your actors. Um, like what 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 techniques did you kind of come up with? What activities were you, were you thinking of? Did you use in the room? <laughs> you might steal some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, I think so. Yeah, like George said, I came in very much from the idea of I'm not here to traumatize anyone. That's not my job. I absolutely refuse. <laughs> To, to do that I, I can do anything the kind way and that's what I will choose um so from the get-go I was like this ever gets too much we stop we absolutely stop and we find a new way in so um like both of them said I I use physicality quite a lot so for example um Tara and George actually have a scene where they have a very intense conversation and Tara's character is bringing up the past George is George is yelling at her about the present and she's bringing up the past and everything that George has missed and so we had to find there was no way that she could relate to that that's not in her personal experience so we had to find a way of getting that out so we had to find out where that sits in the body so my way of going about everything was to look at sort of I guess either the science behind it or just the physicality of it so I got everyone to get on all fours I put some really loud music on and um, as they were doing the script, when it got to a point where this character was feeling physical pain from her words, I got them to just yell. 
just a guttural yell. I got them to go into a cat-cow position. I made them drop their stomach. And every time that they felt that pain, they just had to yell. They didn't have to say the line, just yell. And tried to do that in a really sort of safe and isolated way, obviously check on them before, check on them after. But, um, you know, the, the response from that is immediate because that's not physical in your brain. That's just purely your body reacting to stimulus. Um, so that was a big one. Uh, also, my to be honest with you, my favourite one is stupid. Um, so any time uh, they're not quite sure how their character would respond to this immediate stimulus, go, okie dokie, we're all closing our eyes. Uh, and I'll pick whichever one it, the person it is that needs help. And I go, I'm going to spin you. And then I'm going to put this other person in front of you. And whatever initial reaction you have to this person, I want you to do that, be it a hug, a shove. So it's kind of like actioning, but uh, just sort of for your impulses, I think. So I would just spin them around like a child, like we're doing pin, pin the tail on the donkey, and I would just make them open their eyes. And then we'd, we'd see. So like a lot of the relationships between the characters came from just what do I initially see, knowing, knowing all of my work behind the scenes and knowing their work behind the scenes? What is my character's initial reaction to this person? Which, um, it sounds like it wouldn't work. It worked really well. When, when um, like, everything shifts gears about halfway through, when things might start actually, like, the world actually might start ending, we, like, really had to shift gears up and get into that state of, like, oh, like, like we, we might all die. And everyone started to argue with each other. And we weren't quite getting to, like, the severity of it, I don't think. So we all started, um, again, it was a physical thing of I was having to push against the, the wall the whole time, I think. Tara was sprinting around the room. Um, Inez. Someone else was star jumps. Star jumps, that was what it was. And so we're all doing that. So again, it's the physicality of uh, having to do a lot of physical exertion like you would if you were like like close to a panic attack or in in a very panicked state that then helps your voice and like stomach and lungs get into doing that. And then after we did that, the whole scene became a lot more dynamic in what it was what was meant to be a very tense scene yeah we did um we did another exercise that was a sort of a variation of that and it was kind of a way of connecting with everyone else in the room so we so we all had like our own individual like exercises that we were doing so someone was specifically doing star jumps and someone was specifically like pushing against a wall and in order to connect with other people's reactions to what was happening and like what their body was doing um we did each other's like thing so I think I I think initially I was like running around the room or something and then we we tried everyone else's and like you know how someone might like freeze when they're really really afraid or like someone needs to run and like needs to move and their brain is going a million miles um million miles an hour and so it was really really interesting kind of feeling how everyone else was feeling in that moment and like specifically this person feels like this and this is where the tension is in their body and you know this person like just needs to do something and needs to see something that isn't isn't that because that's too scary um and I found that like really really enlightening um it was a really really cool exercise that one (laughs) yeah that sounds like again very similar things where um 
we couldn't relate to the idea of losing our home or our whole community, or at least most of us couldn't. Um, and it felt because we'd taken it from real accounts and we were focusing on this uh, town in, in East Anglia in, in England. And so it just felt really wrong to pretend to like fake it or or to force it. Um, and like you were saying, Phoebe, like you don't want to be traumatizing yourself to try and like get this emotion. So we went with complete physical exertion, but um, we actually kept it in the show. So there is one scene, um, one of our favorite scenes between two characters where um, every time the other character is speaking, uh, they shove their heads in a bowl of water and they can't come up until the other character is done. Um, and there are some long lines and there's, there's this one moment, it doesn't, it's not that important of a moment, but one moment where one of the characters, um, he's played by Sol, um, who's one of our team members, he is just under the water for so long. And every time they do it, the audience has a visceral response because you're watching someone like drown themselves and you're like, hurry up. And, and it's like so energetic in the theater because suddenly you like, you want the person to get through. You're just like, hurry up, hurry up. And <laughs> when he comes up, he always does this like hair flip and like, just the most dramatic like arch of water comes up behind him, which is just like this visceral moment. Um, but yeah, like, so we had a very similar thing and, and, our, and our kind of like a climax of the scene where everyone's also arguing, which we also have. Um, we did a dance, um, again, choreographed by Lydia. And it is just you are dancing for, I can't remember how long we're dancing for, but we're just like, we're trying to argue and you're trying to move and you're trying to remember these dance moves at the same time. And you just end it by like, you're so hot and tired. And then after that, we have another physical scene. And so me and Sophia, whose scene is right at the end, um, our scene is after all this physical exertion and we just end up lying on the floor, just panting because we've just done like this dance. And then we do this whole like, not really a fight scene and it, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to give it away spoiler alert <laughs> um, but it is this scene where essentially you're attacking one person in the center um, and you just end it like absolutely exhausted and it gives that kind of feeling of just like just like weariness like you're just done you're tired um, which is a lot of what we heard in like these interviews that we researched like the people are just a lot of them especially the younger people which was what means fear play are just exhausted with this kind of like constant feeling of like you're on the edge literally and emotionally all the time like you're going to lose your home there's nothing you can do you are drawn out you are tired and you just hit this scene and I'm always there like <sighs> Like, and you just get that real feeling. So yeah, again, really interesting that we kind of found that same kind of uh, entryway into getting that emotion. Yeah. Yeah, because it's absolutely, absolutely like a different version of this play where we show the audience the sort of more like our artistic version of it, where people are physically exhausted and becomes this sort of like performance piece that I would love to try at some point. So it sounds yeah. like that's the route that you went down whereas I went to sort of do it in the rehearsal so and then show it don't show it in the the play and I would absolutely love to do the opposite and see what would happen yeah so well I think um I think for us it was so so the the program that we were part of and making freak out um meant that none of us knew each other before we started I mean I, I knew Sol because I'd gone to primary school with him but that was complete chance um so none of us knew each other um and all of us had like these different like themes and uh, genres of theatre that we much preferred and so when it got to finally the end of the we've been together for like a year and they were like make a show together and it was like okay well I know that you really like performance 
performance art. I like character work. I know that you really like to write scripts. I know that you really like movement. I know that you're a dancer. And it was like, how do we put this all together? And that was what most of those six weeks were doing was finding a way for us that blends it together. And, and what ended up happening was th exactly that. Like you're, we're using the kind of like, I wouldn't performance art. See, it, it's, it's yeah. Performance art, I, I guess, but it's, it's about, pushing us as actors to the limits so that we are so that what comes out is much more natural more um performance art focused yeah we, we say abstract but then we've had heavy debates over what does abstract actually mean in theatre and so <laughs> I'm trying to avoid that word um but yeah like the more the more abstract uh group the group that like you know felt more confident doing that they just brought all these ideas to the table and I was like okay let's do it and what ended up happening was this show where you are just dead by the end of it and then you've got to clean the stage <laughs> oh. uh so tara and george both of you guys have on the instagram that you're like singer songwriters or singers um is there music in the show from you guys not not from us but um so um phoebe obviously wrote the script for this and there is a bit where there's a dance break in it and um it's one of my favorite things that she's ever written in in the description it's just because she she doesn't really like she likes music but like nothing really i'm sorry to speak for you but it's music sort of fine she just thinks all music sort of fine and just finds enjoyment from other things which is can fine Could i clarify just before you tell the story? <laughs> so i i'm autistic and i have adhd and i have a specific thing and i i'm convinced it's because i'm neurodivergent that this affects us <laughs> But um, I'm surrounded by musicians, but I personally don't get music. So I, it, it kind of, it all sounds great. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. But like, it doesn't hit me and it doesn't mean anything to me. So <laughs> that's, that's the context for George's story. <laughs> so the bit is... Um the character Adam is trying to get all of us to like, uh, this is after we've figured out the world's actually ending. He's trying to get all of us to like, be like, no, this is a party. We need to dance now. So um, Phoebe writes in, in the, um, what do you call it? In the stage directions. Stage directions. Um, yeah. Thank you. She writes in the stage directions. Um, Adam and the others dance to music. People would dance to normally. <laughs> so that was just, free reign to do whatever we want because people was like, I don't know. And so um, for most of the music choices, um, she's gone like, right, you choose the music because I don't really have it in. Um, none of our music is in it because um, it's, it's not a very musical story. I think there's only like two songs in it, but um, no, there's none of our music in it. But my favorite bit is that bit in the script because I was like, that is <laughs> the most neurodiverse thing I have ever heard you say. <laughs> yeah, so in that bit we've now got, I believe it's Earth, Wind and Fire. Because that oh, is yeah. the music people dance to. <laughs> uh, she wrote stage directions, wasn't really expecting much movement. And then someone came in and did something none of us were expecting. And that was the, the person playing Adam again, sort of railroaded the entire making us dance by really like getting behind us, like making us move our arms and then like screaming our names, be like, you get in the middle now. And then he starts screaming his own name, just going, Adam, and then starts doing like the worm on the floor, completely improvised. It was a and, um, I think that's a moment that has stuck with our entire group and will stick with us for a while. It's great, is it? Because there's kind of this like atmosphere of like awkwardness at this party that like, you know, there's definitely like an elephant in the room with with Chrissy and, you know, like they, they're not entirely sure how to approach this like party because it's not 
really a party atmosphere and then Adam just like barrels in and is like this is a party and it's just (laughs) hilarious when I was looking at your your play and I was reading it on your website what I thought was interesting was so obviously for for my group this is the story of four very individuals and even though it's about them interacting as a group it's about each person's individual experience whereas it looks like for yours it's more of a collective thing and so there's a lot is there like a lot of like unity and how do you sort of weave that through is it quite consistent or do people get chances to be like very individual or is it about like sort of mass loss compared to individual loss yeah it's really interesting so um so like I said the basis kind of this one of our major stimuli and and from our research has been um these seaside towns um who like because of climate change the cliff erosion has massively increased and they are going to lose their houses and there's very little options of getting out unless you're like for some reason really really loads of money um you're essentially trapped and um but they don't really give up so what we saw when we were researching was they're finding loads of ways to try and save themselves they make sandbanks they uh make projects they do government grants like they are working their ass off to save their communities um and so what we really wanted to focus on was this kind of loss of community um and one of the struggles of our show was to lose a community we need to show the audience a community to start with um and so I guess essentially it's almost the other way around. So we're using these individuals to show the community that they are um, and how they're going to, they are going to lose it. That's essentially kind of our show and about how these kind of communities get thrown to the wayside when, you know, they're, they're just, they're just kind of stuck. And how, and how do you deal with that? And how do you deal with the loss of community? Um, and that was our show. And so what we, the kind of, it's called Talking Heads, um, I believe it is, but we've kind of edited it into whatever we wanted it to be. But the idea is um, all the scenes are two characters or three characters um, having a conversation at this party, um, which is why we've struggled so much with the party thing, because we we kind of wanted to show the party, but every scene that's talking is these two characters. And um, so you never see the same two characters except for two of them but we don't talk about that <laughs> um, so you're seeing these new the new characters every time but what you're seeing really is the different ways that everyone's being affected by this loss of community and by this loss of home um and so we each character essentially has their own opinions and their own place in this community and we use these scenes to explore how that person um how that's going to affect them, how losing a community affects them. So, for example, my character, Gabby, um, she's one of the the young people in the community. And for her, um, she's just very resentful. She's just very, very resentful, like a lot of young people are, to this kind of older generation that she feels just let them down. Like, she has no future. Her home is going to be lost. She she doesn't feel very at home or, like, she has a community in Portsmouth, which is our made-up town. Um... And her scene with her friend is just exploring that. And, and and I say exploring that, but it's a very subtle way of exploring it. It's not outright. Um, 
What's important to us is that our show starts a discussion, doesn't end it. So each of these discussions, the reason that you may see them once, the reason there's no like conclusion for our show, um, you don't see the ending, you just see the middle, is because we just want people to be talking about it because this is a real thing that affects real people. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, <laughs> it is about uh, community and loss of community, but we do it through the individuals that we see on the stage. Um, yeah. That was a rumble. No, it was good. No, it was really interesting because it feels it feels so similar to us, but just in such a different way of going about it. Because mm. for us, it's all about building this community that's obviously been broken before the start of the play. Because they lose they lose their friend, so the yeah. like that group is already that community's gone before you even get there. Yeah. Um, and it's just about these people desperately trying to hold on to each other and rebuild it. Um, yeah, no, that's really interesting. No, you're so right. It's so similar because because <laughs> yours is about the rebuilding and ours is about the breaking. But e either way, there's the people trying to cling on. Um, it's just, just, it's just life, right? Yeah, <laughs> trying to cling on. That's really depressing. <laughs> just life. No, it's nice. It's nice that we're talking about it. I think, like for you guys as well, creating conversation about these type of things. Like, it's obviously something that I've. I've not heard of and now I'm more aware and I, I hope for people watching my play that it gives a perspective for people that haven't lost anyone what it's like to be like that and hopefully by these conversations we're creating better support systems so no one ever has to be in a position where they don't feel supported and it's just yeah no absolutely and in fact I actually I requested to have your show because I feel like I've seen a lot of shows recently that skirt around this idea of loss especially in the aftermath of covid where so many people lost family lost friends um so suddenly and i feel like i've seen a lot of shows that just kind of you know like they're tr they, they almost do it so i saw so really recently where um I won't go into it too much, but the, the mother was dying. The mother was dying of a, a long time illness. I can't remember what it was. And they both knew that. And there was a moment where I thought the show was going to really start discussing that. Like, what is it to be a mother who knows you're going to die? Um, and and how do you deal with that? And how do you handle that? And um, because I've got a sick parent. Um, so that for me, I was like, this is something that's never talked about, never seen. So let's, you know, let's do it. Um, and then they just kind of, they almost hit it and then they didn't quite, which probably was for them. Like, we don't want to, like I was saying before, you don't really want to be pretending with something so serious unless you're really understand it. Um, but yeah, so when I saw your guys' show was about loss, I was like, I would really like to love this group because it's something that is, very rarely talked about it's it's almost shamed um and it's almost embarrassing to talk about and we are never taught how to comfort people properly and to encourage the talk about death and loss and how do you handle that and so yeah like I just yeah when I saw your show I was like yes please please I want to talk to these guys because this is amazing it's never done it's never done <laughs> I'm I'm well I'm really grateful this has been such a pleasant experience I'm really grateful for it um and it's really nice to hear that response as well, because I fully, for me, I found this so cathartic because I absolutely refused to steer away from it because I think so oftentimes you're right, we skirt away from that issue. And I remember when it happened to me, I absolutely refused to let anybody else ever feel the way that I felt. And I was like, people aren't talking about this. If I talk about this, I can help. I can help people know. And absolutely. that's... And, um, 
and it's not sad like you won't watch our play and be like wow I'm really really sad now like you will at <laughs> points <laughs> because the the nature of the topic but um I think what people don't realize as well is just how much humor there is in like death because that is the only thing that keeps you going honestly <laughs> when there is nothing you have to find something <laughs> you have to find the light so it's such a like we have so much dark comedy within it because there are these people are, are broken and they're finding so much light and humor and it's just such a testament to how the human spirit doesn't break it just sort of changes Thank you for listening to this episode of Cointos Conversations. You can catch We Are Going to Die at the Network Theatre from the 24th to the 27th of January. And come and watch our show Freak Out also at the Network Theatre on the 18th and 19th of March. Tickets are available on the Vault Festival website. You can find We Are Going to Die at We Are Going to Die on Instagram. And you can follow us at Cointos Collective on all our socials to stay up to date with our episodes, plus all our ongoing and future projects. See you soon.